Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Who scares you more, domestic or foreign terrorists? Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and your terrorist therapist. Well, yes, have you ever asked yourself this question, who scares you more, domestic or foreign terrorists? Well, typically, you know, we think about foreign terrorists, but this past, uh, these past weeks, recent week or weeks, um, there has been um, an upswing in the number of incidents of uh, domestic terrorists. And um, I'm gonna talk about that with you today, as well as the um, potential onslaught. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about you know, the Middle East. I'm talking about, uh, in terms of foreign terrorists, well, I am talking about, I'm talking about ISIS and so on, the usual suspects. But I'm gonna be talking a little bit today about um, the threat, the potential threat of them joining the caravan, uh, the migrant caravan coming up from Central America. But first, let's, um, let's just talk about how we're feeling right now. Because there is, a, ask yourself about this. Are you feeling nervous? Have you been having uh, more trouble sleeping? Has, have you been noticing signs of stress in your daily life? Is it, are you irritable? Are you sad? Are you angry? Um, do you feel it's getting all too much? Well, <laughs> you're not alone because um, not only have there been these acts of domestic terrorists recently, but uh, politicians are using these acts to blame each other. So it's not only the acts, and of course I'm talking about the, uh, the pipe bomber and the Pittsburgh synagogue shooter. Um, those were the two main ones recently. But you know, in addition to these horrendous acts, um, there is the additional stress of you know, people all using these acts to blame each other for, uh, to get an edge for the elections coming up. So there's a definite drumbeat underscoring all of our lives because election day and migrants at the door day are getting closer. Um, and we've seen uh, with the examples of the pipe bomber and the synagogue shooter that this drumbeat is pushing people with mental problems off the deep end. As you may have heard in a previous podcast or show, um, I have talked about how people with mental illness are more vulnerable to being um, uh, used by, by terrorists, by foreign terrorists, by ISIS type terrorists, or any kind of terrorists. In this case, it could be um, just political terrorists who you know, want to uh, get them to do things um, to get an edge, particularly now in regard to the elections. Um, this, these things have been, so as these, these domestic terrorist acts and as the migrants um, caravans all, or, and election day are all coming closer and closer, we're having this drumbeat that's making us all feel more stressed. 
and some people are being whipped up into a frenzy. Many people feel as if their life depends upon who wins this election. You know, I can't help thinking it's like color war at camp, heading to the final competition. Did you ever? I used to go to camp all the time, and when and and um, color war was a big deal. And the final competition, you know, as each team was scoring points, the final competition um, became, we became more frenzied as we got to that final competition. However, this is not color war. It um, has much more violent and dangerous stakes. Meanwhile, um, well, we'll, t we'll talk a little bit about the, about the migrant caravan and, you know, Trump's warnings that um, there are terrorists in this caravan and so on, and people saying that he's overreacting and that's not true. Well, I think, you know, <laughs> I think it is likely true. I mean, if you were a terrorist um, and there were thousands of people uh, coming into America from where at whichever border, it could be Canada, <laughs> you know, Canadians will, wouldn't do that, but because they're, most of them are fairly happy in their own country. But, um, and yes, it is awful. You know, the, I, I wanna make sure it's clear that I feel incredible uh, sympathy and compassion for people living in situations, not just in Honduras um, and other, some other Central American countries, but I mean, Syria and Yemen, and there are lots of countries where things the situations are horrible and um, poverty, famine, and so on. And, you know, it, we need to help. Um, I'm all for the U.S. helping these countries to develop more um, and to make people want to stay in their countries um, or to apply to the U.S. legally. Anyway, um, when this election happens, when the results are in, um, about half of America is going to be let down. And um, there's also, you know, as, as I was saying, it's also this, this drumbeat of migrant, migrants getting closer to the U.S. Trump recently talking about um, that if the migrants throw rocks, that the soldiers, the troops who have been brought to the border, um, essentially, he, he stopped just short of saying that they can shoot them, but that was, you know, that was certainly implied. And that would be incredibly sad. Um, but, but I don't know if you've seen videos, news videos, of what happened when the migrants entered Mexico, but um, they were, some of them were attacking the Mexican troops. So it is going to be an awful, when they finally reach the border, it is, unless something happens, unless something can happen to, to um, make a more peaceful solution, it is going to be a, um, a drama that is going to be very unsettling uh, to everyone. So, but let me go back to, um, let me go back to the domestic terrorists this week. Um, there, you know, for the first, the first incident was um, that started October 22nd, actually, um, where we started having a, an epidemic of pipe bombs being received in the mail via the U.S. Postal Service to people who were critics of President Trump. So this included um, people like Barack Obama, former U.S. President Barack Obama, 
uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, um, former Secretary of State and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. Um, then there were various U.S. representatives, senators, uh, an attorney general, CNN, you know, who was trying, they were trying to reach people through CNN. And then George Soros and, um, and Robert De Niro, because these were all critics of President Trump. And uh, they were sent IEDs, improvised explosive devices. None of the devices fortunately exploded. And um, this barrage of pipe bombs started on, on October 22nd. And we really don't know um, whether we've seen the last of them. I mean, probably we have. Um, but but um, of course, the man who was arrested for this, Caesar Altieri Sayak Jr., who was arrested in Florida on October 26th, um, is not you know, is not saying because he's not going to, of course, implicate himself by saying, you know, that there are more uh, pipe bombs in the mail. And, and you know, and we don't know, um, hopefully there aren't. Um, but now when I saw the packages of these pipe bombs, um, I recognized right away that this was the work of someone who was mentally ill. I, you know, starting with my training at NYU Bellevue, where, uh, needless to say, I worked a lot with people who were schizophrenic and manic depressive, um, also called bipolar, people who were psychotic, and, um, and seen some of their packages and their writings and so on. And it looks like that. <laughs> um, and then, you know, as we've come to learn more about Caesar Sayak, it seems to be clear that although he has never been diagnosed because he apparently would never um, agree to get uh, to get psychiatric treatment um, he, so he was never formally diagnosed but his mental problems started when he was in his young teens when his father who was filipino uh, abandoned him and went back to the philippines and um, his mother, um, you know, saw that he started having mental problems, although he, did, he was graduated from high school and he did go to college for a while. Um, he is, um, let's see, um, he went to, um, he was born in Brooklyn and then he moved to Florida as a child. And his mother was born in the Bronx and she's of Italian heritage. And um, he was living for a while at his mother's house, but she at some point um, threw him out. He wouldn't get treatment. And he um, was very, had a very poor job history. He, as I started to say, he went to college, um, started to go to college. He brevered college and then he transferred to the University of North Carolina and he played on the school's soccer team. Who are you more afraid of, a domestic or foreign terrorist? And um, neither one, uh, neither one lets us uh, sleep well at night. But um, we have had a particularly difficult week in terms of acts of domestic terrorism. I've been talking about the pipe bomber um, who Caesar um, Sayak, 
who had who was mentally ill um i think that you know i've kind of come to he has again he hasn't been diagnosed formally but as i've been studying him it seems to me that originally i thought he was paranoid it's, it's a toss-up actually between paranoid schizophrenic and um and um manic depressive in either case he hasn't been taking any meds because he hasn't gone for psych treatment um, he could possibly be um, uh, schizoaffective schizophrenic. But in any case, um, and as such, potentially, um, potentially the victim, potentially easily co-opted by someone who wanted to either uh, hurt or kill critics of President Trump or um, you know, it is, has also been thought that it could, could have been set up by Democrats to look like um, he was, I mean, he is, a, well, look like he was a Trump supporter, which he certainly, he's, he, one would think that he was from his van and his posts and so on. But the alternative theory was that he was really just uh, set up by Democrats to make it look like, um, you know, Trump, um, infuriates people and sets them up to do all of these crazy things. So, of course, another um, possibility, if he is, if he has been under somebody's control, influenced by uh, a, a terrorist of some sort, domestic or foreign, I mean, there is the possibility of ISIS being involved in some way, although no, <laughs> no, that has not, ISIS, I don't think ISIS has claimed responsibility. And, um, and, uh, but there was an ISIS flag uh, attached to some of the bombs, uh, although it was actually a parody of, of the ISIS flag. But again, you know, is that just a setup to make it look like a parody, to look like it's not ISIS? I mean, you just, when, it's, when someone is mentally ill, you have to take all these potential uh, influences into consideration. In any case, um, he, um, Oh, another one of the reasons why also that kind of implicates terrorism, um, ISIS type terrorism, is that in 2002, um, Caesar uh, called in a bomb threat to Florida Power and Light because they were cutting off his electricity or his, um, presumably his electricity, and um, he wanted, to, and he was very angry, and he threatened them that he, they would see an attack that was greater than 9-11. So this man clearly, from that um, threat to Florida Power and Light and the ISIS flags on the bombs, I mean, he, he, does, <laughs> he does have ISIS on his mind, shall we say, or well, Al-Qaeda in any case, not with 9-11, but that kind of terrorism on his mind. He's also been arrested for other kinds of things and convicted, um, such as theft, battery, drug possession, uh, and so on. And he um, has a very interesting job history. He was uh, a bodybuilder. Now, another thing that kind of complicates his psychiatric diagnosis is that he abused steroids. So in fact, you know, one could argue that it was a steroid psychosis. Um, or the, the steroids activated an underlying genetically um, genetic predisposition to schizophrenia or manic depressive illness. 
but he um, has been a, a stripper. He was an owner of a, well, he claimed to be an owner of a strip club, or at least to be a manager of strippers. Um, that seems to be possible, but he claimed to be a partner in Chipp Chippendales, which Chippendales has denied. Um, he has made a number of false claims. He claimed that he played soccer for AC Milan and football for the Arizona Rattlers. He's, you know, he's made, which is kind of, which is these claims, these grandiose claims um, are typical of um, the grandiosity of, of mania. And um, he's also started two businesses that failed, that didn't get very far. He called one proud Native American, one low price dry cleaning. And then he did Native American catering and vending. Um, neither one of them were a success. He had his home foreclosed in 2009. He filed chapter seven bankruptcy in 2012. I mean, he was, he was living on the outskirts of society and not being able to succeed in anything that he did. When he was, um, the last job that he had, well, the next to last job that he had was part-time deliveries for a, pizza, a pizzeria in Fort Lauderdale. And then when he was arrested, he was working as a DJ and a doorman at a West Palm Beach strip club. He is a Repu registered Republican. He has been seen at uh, Trump uh, events, rallies. He wearing a Make America Great hat, uh, great again hat, and so on. Um, his claims to be a Seminole Indian <laughs> do not seem to be, at least the Seminoles are not claiming him, uh, do not want to be associated with him. But, um, and also his, a lot of information about his childhood and so on has been uh, gleaned from a lawyer, a family lawyer who helped his family and helped him in, um, in some of these previous arrests and trials and so on. Um, and uh, he, for example, he, his mother is a Democrat and he was very angry when his mother threw him out of the house. Um, and that is thought to be a possible reason why he became such a, a, power, a strong, uh, devoted Republican, assuming that this is all that he is. Um, which does seem more likely, actually, than that he was set up but by, a, by the Democrats to look like a Republican. In any case, um, this, one of the things that this shows, well, a couple of things, it shows that, you know, when, when you have a child who is 14 years old and, or, a, or a teen, even older, a teenager, uh, or any relative or anyone that you care about, um, but certainly the younger they are, the easier it is to get them, to force them to get, have mental health treatment or to be seen by, to be evaluated by at least a psychiatrist. Um, there are, you know, certainly the person typically does something, whether it's a danger to themselves or a danger to others that you can call the police about, um, or when he was younger, um, you know, perhaps he was gravely disabled, not able to take care of himself. I mean, he seems to have co cobbled together these various odd jobs, but um, he was definitely living, he was living in his van, which is where it is thought that he made these pipe bombs. Although again, that just seems a little strange. I mean, you can certainly imagine a possibility where if he was under the influence of someone else and they had him put his, um, his DNA and his thumbprint his fingerprint on the bombs, 
um, that's not beyond the possibilities if someone was setting him up to take the fall. So I think we have to keep all these things uh, open because, um, because mainly because it, it, it does not, it's, even this lawyer said that he did not think that he had the mental capabilities of finding everybody's addresses and sending them and having it, um, having the return address be Debbie Wasserman Schultz so that the pipons would be returned to her, you know, if they didn't reach their target. Um, that was all very clever. And uh, the lawyer who's known him for years does not think that he has that intellectual capability. So we will see. But it does show, one, that tough love does not work. Throwing a mentally ill person out of your house um, instead of somehow figuring out how to get them mental health treatment. I mean, the most that he got was with one of these uh, convictions where he was in possession of steroids. Um, he, the judge sent him to some kind of a program for drug abuse or anger management or something or other, but it was a 12-step program. It was a program that didn't address the underlying mental illness is what it was, but it, it was something, but it wasn't enough. So, and I'm giving you some uh, examples to help you ponder this. Um, of course, in this past, in recent days, recent weeks, um, we've been having a lot of domestic terrorist incidents um, that have made us all think more about that than we usually do. Now, one of them um, that you might well not have heard about uh, happened on October 24th, and it was called the Jefferson Town Kroger shooting. Jefferson Town is in Kentucky, um, and there was a killing of two black people who were shopping at a Kroger store in Jefferson Town, uh, and the, they were shot by a white man, and, well, he's a suspect. Um, and this man was, and whose name is Gregory Bush, who is 51, and he had tried first to enter the First Baptist Church of Jefferson Town. And uh, that's a predominantly black church, but he couldn't get in because the doors were locked. So, and they know this because they have him on surveillance camera. Um, so after he failed to get into the church, he went to, towards the grocery store. He shot um, the man inside the grocery store and he shot a woman in the parking lot. And the police are considering this a hate crime. Um, now, talk about mental illness. Uh, this man what, had a Facebook page, the, the alleged shooter, um, had a Facebook page where he described himself as paranoid schizophrenic. So, you know, another thing that uh, all of this shows, and I'm not, I'm not connecting him to ISIS, but, you know, this would be a hate crime, an act of domestic terrorism. Um, and... Uh, what it does show, though, that the, there is a, a pattern that people who are, have mental illness are more, are more vulnerable, um, not one to, yes, to being, uh, to being influenced by people who want to commit terrorist acts, but also just um, being, whether it's domestic terrorism or um, foreign-inspired terrorism, um, 
with this world, let's put it this way. As I was saying at the very beginning of the show, um, we are all under more stress than um, in recent memory, I mean, other than 9-11 and so on. But, um, but these things in these recent weeks where, uh, and currently, with the elections, with American, you know, you could call um, you could call people in the in activists in the two political parties in a sense ter domestic terrorists because people are acting out um, more crazily than ever, and it pushes people. This is it's very hard for people to live in these under these kinds of stressful conditions, and it pushes people who are otherwise. I sort of bear on the edge, it pushes them over. It can push them over. And of course, a whole other uh, issue is how we need better mental health treatment in America. I'll say that. <laughs> but certainly um, that is implied in all of this because there have been uh, examples of terrorists who have been seen before they committed an act uh, by mental health professionals who didn't keep them in the hospital. And that, the examples of that typical, you know, good examples of that uh, was the terrorist who, uh, the ISIS influenced terrorist who came from Alaska to Florida and perpetrated a terrorist attack. He had been put, um, he had been committed to a psychiatric hospital, but not long enough. And uh, then another example, of course, um, is the Parkland shooter who uh, was never committed, unfortunately, and should have been, but he did have brushes <laughs> with mental health professionals who did not take him seriously enough and who did not do the right thing by not committing him involuntarily in Florida, Baker acting him, it's called, in Florida. So now let's go to the Pittsburgh shooter. Uh, the Pittsburgh shooter, um, the shooting took place on Saturday, October 27th. Um, what is fascinating about him, um, his name is Robert Bowers, and what's he's 46. What's fascinating about him is um, that, and, and this really hasn't come out yet, but I've been, uh, I was asked to comment upon this by a journalist, um, so it will be coming out soon. Uh, apparently, there's very little known, very little in the, in, that's been in the, in the press about this, about Robert Bowers, and um, which is very strange, but um, it's, it's apparently been very hard to dig up information about him. But one thing that's been dug up is that um, his father, Robert Bowers' father, committed suicide on the same date, which turned out to be a Saturday on that date years ago. So, um, and this was when the father was on bail, out on bail for raping and abducting a young girl in Squirrel Hill, where the synagogue shooting took place. So the same date, uh, and, and it happened to be a Saturday, which is when the synagogue shooting took place, same date, Saturday, um, in Squirrel Hill. I call that a, an anniversary reaction, uh, a tragic anniversary reaction. Obviously, this was a, an act of domestic terrorism, uh, hate crime. The temple was called the Tree of Life. There are a number of ironies in here. Um, the, um, well, you know, the Tree of Life, 
when Robert Bauer shot 11 people dead and injured seven. And um, also there was a, one of the services that were going on in there was a baby naming and bris, in other words, a welcoming of a baby into the world, a, a celebration of life. And then a third irony is that one of the rabbis, who of course is always there on Saturday morning, that's Shabbat, um, he stayed home, which was so unusual for him because his wife was sick. So his life, life was spared. And of course this um, uh, Robert Bowers, you know, he, there were warning signs um, on the online social network called Gab where his um, moniker was one dingo, and a dingo is a wild dog. Uh, so basically he was telling the world that he's a wild dog and it was a red flag that something, he was going to erupt. I mean, um, what, would people, you know, no one, it, the, the website Gab um, is one where lots of people are posting hate speech. Um, Robert Bowers posted a lot of anti-Semitic comments, um, notably against the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society, H-I-A-S, in which this synagogue, the Tree of Life, was a supporting participant. Now, th that is, you know, it's interesting. There was two things that, that, um, that triggered him, so to speak, uh, on this date on October 27th. One, it was the date, as I said, that his father committed suicide, but also it was in connection to the migrant caravan getting closer and closer because the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society um, was a society that helped, originally it helped Jewish refugees come to this country, and then it was helping refugees from all countries, other, lots of other countries, not all, all countries, but lots of other countries um, become settled, helping them settle in America. So, and in fact, he posted, Robert Bowers posted on this Gab website, HIAS likes to bring invaders in that kill our people. I can't sit by and watch my people get slaughtered. Screw your optics, I'm going in. So that was the last post that he wrote um, when he then went in to do the synagogue shooting, which was the deadliest attack on the Jewish community in the United States in history. So there are all of these, you know, um, <laughs> tragic um, one-offs or, or, you know, um, worse than anything else. I mean, we had the Vegas shooting that um, was the worst shooting in America. Now we have the worst Jewish shooting in America. I mean, there, you know, it's um, then Parkland was the worst high school shooting. I mean, there are all of these, it, it just it keeps, keeps escalating. Now to get back to the migrant um, invasion, uh, potential invasion, um, you know, it, it is, even though, it, no, has there been so far anyone identifying exactly, uh, naming a person in the caravan who is an ISIS, um, uh, what, an ISIS uh, sympathizer, an ISIS uh, soldier? Um, no, no names have been mentioned so far. However, it has been said that, you know, these things are kind of common sense. Um, Newt Gingrich, you know, you 
whatever you feel about Newt, Ging Newt Gingrich, the former House Speaker, what he said just makes common sense. He said, if you were a terrorist and wanted to get in the United States and you saw 10,000 people trying to get into the United States, how unlikely is it that you might decide to join them? I mean, um, you know, people, let, let me just say this, I'll end with this. Um, it has been known, it ha people have been identified um, long before the migrant caravan came to be that um, there have been um, terrorists um, trying to and, and succeeding in crossing the borders, both from Mexico and from Canada. We have bonafide, documented examples of that, one or two people at a time, okay? So why would anyone question the fact that this is a perfect setup for people who are terrorists, who have plans to create um, ISIS-inspired terrorist acts in the United States, they would be idiots to not take advantage of this situation because there are too many people. Um, it is so easy to get lost amongst this caravan. It's just, it's just too inviting um, a possibility to miss. Well, thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.